Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, Bill Cannon. I'm a retired 27-year veteran of the NYPD, detective sergeant assigned to Manhattan North Homicide Squad. And if you like podcasts from a police perspective, then you're in the right place. Us and uh, Duty Ron and a few other podcasts give you that police perspective. We've been there. and We've seen all, this, all the things that we're reporting on. If you're not subscribed to Police Off the Cuff, please go on our YouTube, hit the subscribe button, uh, give us a thumbs up, ring that bell. We also have a Patreon that helps us support and keep us in business. And we just started a YouTube, uh, and we've got a bunch of memberships on that. Uh, there's some definitely some benefits to being members of the uh, Police Off the Cuff family. Uh well, last night, I just want to tell a lot of folks that are just tuning in, we had an, an amazing uh, guest on last night. We had Sammy the Bull Gravano. And if you haven't watched that episode, it's still on our YouTube. You can watch it. Uh, it was uh, To me, it was one of the best shows uh, we've, we've ever done. And on the show was not just Sammy the Bull, but it was uh, Phil Grimaldi, who's here today, and also uh, retired NYPD detective, Tommy Dades, who also happens to be an organized crime expert. So we had a, an amazing uh, show last night. And as I said, if you haven't watched it, you could still watch it. And uh, it's a great show. And um, we're also having on from um, the Bath Avenue crew, Jimmy Calandra, who is coming on Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories on uh, the 26th, which is a Sunday night at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, because I see a lot of you folks from different countries, from England, from Ireland, from Germany, from all across the globe. So uh, we always deal here in Eastern Standard Time, so 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, right now, I'm just going to introduce my um, co-host from straight out of Brooklyn, Phil Grimaldi. How you doing, Phil? Pretty good. Busy afternoon. We did that show at 3 o'clock on the uh, Murtaugh case, and uh, now we're doing this one on this poor young lady that appears to be missing. Uh, going back to last night's show, I thought it was a great show. Sammy came across as uh, very uh, upfront. I, I think uh, you hit him with a great question right from the opening uh, regarding uh, you know, how he became a cooperator. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, the Jimmy Calandria show. Uh, Sunday afternoon, 6 p.m. on the 26th. After you have your nice pasta and meatballs, uh, <laughs> you can catch us on the air live. If not, you catch a replay. Uh, these people are very, uh, very, very uh, interesting to listen to. It gives you a perspective of what life was like in the, uh, the real-life organized crime world. And uh, the fact that they cooperated uh, actually – was very helpful for the uh, federal government to prosecute a lot of these individuals. So it was great having Sammy. It was a great interview. Hopefully one day we'll have him back again and uh, looking forward to the Jimmy show and uh, fired up to get into this case today. Cool. Sandra Luciano, Chicago in the house, new subscriber. Welcome Chicago. Welcome. Currently in New York now. She's currently in New York now with her family. I'm glad uh, you found your way over to police off the cuff, real crime stories. Uh, I'm reading in, I don't know if it's it's accurate, but someone, Stephanie K.O.G., she said, Chris Murdoch, you mean, you mean Al, Alec Murdoch just had his bond hearing, 20,000? Yes, that, 
That sounds very low, $20,000. I actually watched it, Bill, and yeah, she gave $10,000 one charge, $5,000 another charge, $5,000 a third charge. There was a legal consultant afterwards on the news that said, uh, tremendous victory for the defense. It should have been at least, they asked for a bond of uh, $100,000 that he'd have to put on $100,000 cash. However, his lawyer made a big uh, talk about uh, he's uh, basically broke, that everything's leveraged and lean. So, But we'll get into that on the next uh Next time we uh, profile that case. $20,000 to me seems like a joke, you know. Uh, and I don't think he had to put his hand in his pocket for any of the money either. It was one of those, uh, maybe a bondsman or something to that effect. But uh, I think the agreement was if he flees, then he pays the 20000 which sounds absurd to me. But uh, the charges are on the lighter end. Maybe that's the reason why. But uh, it, it is what it is. I, they're, they're talking about... Uh, up, Upgrading some charges too. So uh, the uh, the state's attorney general did ask for that hundred thousand dollar bond, but uh, it didn't work out in their favor. So, uh, but I don't think he's going. They did take his passport and stuff. So, they're is, he, is he subject? To, well, he's going back to rehab. I would imagine. Right, right, right? back to rehab. Uh, it's out of state, so they asked permission of the court to let him go back. She granted it. The female judge, um, and uh, so you know they're talking about him. Being in, the, they brought a letter uh, from a doctor in the rehab saying that this this treatment's going to help him. He's had a 20 year long addiction to opioids. I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, bottom line is is that they're going to use the HIPAA laws to protect him at this point. That's really what that's all about. Uh, when we get into our our uh, future coverage, we'll probably have uh, probably Joe Murray or one of the uh, attorneys on to speak to that. But this is I could see the defense is already being formated uh, regarding uh, the the things that are being done by his uh, legal team with regard to statements they're making. And uh, today in court, he, real quick, his attorney had previously said he suffered skull fracture, this, that. And then now when he described the injury today uh, in court, in open court, he said to the judge that he had an in and out wound from a bullet and he may have had a slight skull fracture and a possible brain bleed. Sounds like he's. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I always know that attorneys have med medical doctor degrees too, that they yeah. can, diagnose after the fact he knows what his injuries are that should be yeah. you know they could just subpoena that but that's probably a joke because the same attorney said he had brain bleeding and yeah. then he got he got released the next day so you know that's uh, that's not uh that's well, not true. Both the other night said that that was highly unusual if he had a brain bleed fractured skull from a bullet wound released in less than two days she said that was very odd so obviously he's he's fluffing it up he's giving stuff to the court he's throwing it out there to try and make his, uh, you know, maybe uh, there's going to be some sympathy for his client in the eyes of the judge. So that's what he was looking at, I'm sure. All right, Phil, let's get to the uh, yeah. business the business Absolutely. at hand today. And uh, what, what we're going to be covering today is uh, the Gabby Petito case. She happens to be from Blue Point, Long Island. However, she currently was living in uh, Northport, Florida, which is in Sarasota County. You want to take it from here, Phil? Yeah, yeah. Um, Gabby Petito and her, at the time, fiance Brian Laundrie were living in North Port, Florida. They were engaged to be married. They went to New York uh, on July 2nd. Uh, I, I don't know if that's when they went, but that's when they left New York from her family's home in Long Island. They left in a 2012 Ford Transit van, which is pictured there in the middle of the screen. Um, they went on a cross-country trip. Um, they packed it up. They made the uh, back of the van where it could accommodate them sleeping, and they put a, a lot of food and stuff in the in the uh, in the van, and they went off on their trip. On July fifth, 
they made it to Monument Rocks. I'm not sure what part of the country that's in, but uh, that's where they were, and they they started uh, uh, cataloging their trip on uh, Twitter and I believe on YouTube as well. So from the 5th of July all the way through August 8th, they had hit a bunch of places. They hit Zion National Park and Mystic Hot Springs, uh, posting videos uh, along the way. On August the 12th in Moab, Utah, Police responded to a domestic incident. There was a, a, a caller by the name of Christopher that said that he saw a, uh, what looked like a domestic fight between a man and a woman. Uh, and he had said he observed that the woman was on the driver's side of the vehicle trying to enter into the vehicle through the window and she was striking the male. When the police responded, um, they determined that there was uh, obviously a dispute between Gabby and Brian, they have, uh, I think you may have some of the uh, body cam video of that, Bill. And uh, during this assault, uh, we'll get into that. There was some, uh, Gabby appeared to be uh, very frantic and upset, crying. And uh, they determined at the time that it was uh, a domestic thing. Nobody wanted to press charges. They uh, allowed uh, Gabby to leave with the van since I believe the van was registered in her name. And uh, Brian went to a hotel overnight with a probably hooked up uh, the next day. Um, the last call from Gabby from her family was on August the 25th. And uh, she had indicated to her family that she was at the Grand Teton National Park. Um, no contact past August 25th. Uh, there was one text message that happened uh, where it said that, that there was a, a text message where the mom doesn't believe it came from Gabby. It may have come from the boyfriend saying no service, no cell service. From where they were. Um, on September 1st, Landry returned to Florida, his Florida home in Northport alone with the white van without Gabby. And uh, when the family was contacting him, her, and getting no response, they started to reach out to the family. They had a good relationship with Brian's family. They were very happy that the two were together. Everybody was on board on the same page. When they stopped getting, uh, didn't get any response from the family on September 11th, that's when the family reported young Gabby missing. Um, and since then, uh, Brian and his family both have retained an attorney and refused to cooperate. It's just outrageous that this scumbag, and I'm going to call him that because that's what I think he is, could leave his girlfriend wherever she is somewhere across the country and come home and act like nothing driving her van. His family should be ashamed of themselves that they've now enlisted an attorney that they don't want to make any public statements about it. This man knows where this young lady is. He needs to cooperate, point the police in the direction of where this young lady is. She's a beautiful young girl. It's a tragic sin. I have three daughters myself, and this really tugs at the heartstrings of, of everyone, I'm sure. And uh, I think that he needs to grow a pair. He needs to man up. The family needs to say, uh, if it were my child, what would I do? And they need to cooperate. We need some cooperation here with law enforcement. You know, Phil, I just want to let people know that are in the chat and people that are listening. Law enforcement cannot get aggressive in situations like this in regards to making the person talk. He has constitutional rights. If he chooses to seek counsel, then law enforcement can't speak to him, period. Right now, law enforcement hasn't discovered a crime, so they can't force him to speak. If they do discover a crime, then they can use what's called the grand jury system, 
and they can compel him to talk to the grand jury system with, of course, his attorney. But right now, they cannot force him to speak. Having said that, I'm just going to show a short clip from ABC News. This is obviously a national story. It's all over the news. It's all over everywhere. So I'm going to put this on our uh, screen, and uh, we'll play this now. 22-year-old who vanished on a cross-country trip with her boyfriend. Police now designating him a person of interest. We'll hear from the chief of police leading the case in just a moment. But first, Trevor Alt has the latest. Good morning, Trevor. Good morning, Michael. Yeah, it seems the nation is searching for Gabby Petito, but her boyfriend, Brian Laundrie, is not. Investigators have been combing across the country, but Brian came back home to Florida without Gabby. He seems to be holed up with his parents, and he's not speaking with her family or investigators. And this morning, we have a new look at a confrontation with the couple just weeks ago where police were called in. Overnight, five days into the urgent search for Gabby Petito, authorities releasing new body cam video following an incident between her and boyfriend turned person of interest, Brian Laundrie. What's going on? How come you're crying? I'm just crying. We've just been fighting this morning. Some personal issues. Days before Petito was last seen, officers responding to a 911 call about an argument outside a convenience store in Utah near Arches National Park find Gabby visibly upset, separating her from laundry immediately. You wouldn't let me in the car before. And then Why I... wouldn't he let you in the car? Because <laughs> you told me, OCD? told me I need to calm down. According to the police report, Petito reportedly hit Laundrie in the face. In the body camera video, the scratches were evident. In the report, responding officers saying the incident seemed to be less of a domestic dispute and more of a mental emotional health break. No charges were filed, the two agreeing to separate for the night. Before the Utah incident, leading up to Gabby's disappearance, the couple had been on a cross-country road trip in this white van, documenting their travels on YouTube and Instagram. Fine stretching, doing some morning yoga. But on September 1st, Laundry returned to the Northport, Florida home where the couple lived with his parents, with the van, but without Gabby. Details of that road trip, now the key to finding her. Gabby Petito was last seen August 24th, checking out of a hotel with Laundry in Salt Lake City, Utah. Her mother says the next day was the last time she spoke with Gabby, who told her they were in Grand Teton, Wyoming, on their way to Yellowstone. We need to know exactly uh where he was, where she was, their last locations. Investigators say they tried to talk with Laundry Saturday. His attorney doubling down in a statement saying Mr. Laundry will continue to remain silent on the advice of counsel because they believe any statement made will be used against you. Overnight, Gabby's family telling us they only have one question for him. There's one question that matters. Where did you last see Gabby? That's the question that matters right now. And Gabby's family is calling Brian's silence reprehensible. They're trying to help out with the search. Gabby's stepfather is in Wyoming, but without Brian talking, officials say he is hindering the investigation. George. Okay, Trevor, thanks very much. Let's bring in the chief of police now, Todd Garrison. Chief Garrison, thank you for joining us this morning. First of all, just explain what it means now that Brian Landry is a person of interest. Well, you know, two people went on a trip and one person returned, and uh, that one person is not talking to us um, all of our information is being directed through the attorney and he's got all the answers um, so 
you know, my number one question is, where's Gabby? What do you make of the fact that he's not talking to you? Well, you know, it, everybody has rights and will respect the Constitution and, and, and their rights. Um, I, I can't speculate why he's not talking, but he has the pieces to the puzzle that we need to be able to find Gabby. You, you're trying to get other pieces as well, but are you trying to get a search warrant for the boyfriend's home? Right now, everything that we are doing is uh, methodically being done. Um, right now, we are not trying to obtain a search warrant for the home. Uh, we don't have a crime in this. Um, we are investigating a missing person. You did find the van they were driving in. Can you tell us any more about what you found there? There, there are some things in the van that we are analyzing right now. Uh, whether or not they have any evidentiary value is, is too early to tell. And we know there was some kind of an altercation between the two of them when they were in Utah. Police were called to the scene. Uh, do you believe that's connected to the disappearance? And what more do we know about that? All we know is that they did have a disturbance and they were separated that night. And at some point they, they returned together. Um, but, you know, it's not uncommon that people have uh, disagreements in relationships. So whether or not that has anything to do with the disappearance or not, we're still sorting through all that data. And what are your next steps? Uh, right now, we're still going through all the uh, electronic data and, and uh, financials and, and everything that we possibly can go through. You know, we have hundreds and hundreds of tips coming in and we have to sort through all those tips. And, you know, we're we're just trying to find where Gabby's at. Any other persons of interest? Right now, no. Chief Garrison, thanks very much for your time this morning. Thank you. All right, George, thank you. And we I thought those were some good questions by Stephanopoulos. Um, you know, the uh, the video of her and, and uh, the police, the interaction with the police, the body cam video. Last night, Duty Run, who's a great friend of our show, uh, we've been on his show, he's coming on our show. He did a show on this case, and I uh, actually tuned in. He showed the actual police report. It was a very detailed, a couple of pages police report about the interaction between the police and Gabby and Brian. And they kind of le uh, were leaning towards that uh, there was emotional breakdown and that she was... Uh, uh, you know, she was really, really very emotional, crying throughout the whole thing, couldn't compose herself. And at that time last night when I saw it, I didn't see the body cam video. I saw just report. And I said in the comments, I thought that it was, you know, uh, in New York, we call it emotionally disturbed person, an EDP, that there should have been an interaction with uh, EMS, uh, you know, uh, medical people to make a decision on whether or not she should go to a, a hospital for treatment. But now after seeing that video, I have to disagree with that categorization because I don't think she was that. She did say I suffer sometimes from uh, OCD. She became uh, excited. They got into an argument. But if you look through the video from the beginning to the time she's sitting in the back of the police car, I think she was quite composed. She's probably still upset or, uh, you know, uh, emotional at that time, but I don't think she was what we'd categorize as an EDP where she would be in need of going to a hospital for mental health evaluation. I don't see that. Um, there was obviously something going on. She, you know, reached through the window and scratched his face or whatever. And, and they determined at that time, I think what they did, I'm not trying to knock the police officers in Utah. I think they did a fantastic job because they separated the two people. And if you look at police science, that's what they tell you in a domestic incident. You always want to try and separate the two people. They actually separated them where 
he went to a, a hotel overnight and she stood in the car. They eventually did hit, hook up the next day, but it was classic uh, police work 101 with regard to a domestic incident. I think they did a great job. I just don't think the characterization of saying that it was a mental health issue as opposed to a domestic violence issue. I think it was more in, in, in line with a domestic violence issue. Phil, Phil, let me, let me uh, double down on that. Um, if I had, or if, the, if I had responded to that situation and saw the physical injuries on his face and saw that there were signs of a physical altercation and being a boss, I would have a sometimes a hard time walking away from that without putting someone in handcuffs. And the reason being is that the buck stops with the boss that responds to the scene. And if something bad happens, which potentially in this case, something bad really could have happened. The officers, even though you felt, and I felt that they did a competent job, they're going to be criticized. Well, why didn't you lock someone up? And even if it was her, even if she had to be arrested, might an arrest have prevented something that uh, we don't know what happened yet, but might, might might have it prevented something? There's a very good possibility. But I think that they did a competent job. They spoke to them. They separated them, as you said. They got to the bottom of the, you know, I mean, in the old days, Domestic violence incidents, that's how they were handled. You split the couple up. You sent the husband on his way or the boyfriend on his way. and you left. And, but that has proven years later not to be the way to handle a domestic incident. But it seems like they didn't totally handle this as a domestic incident, but more as like uh, maybe a mental health issue, as you were talking about. And look, the police, no matter what happens, they're going to be criticized. We can't predict what's going to happen in the future, you know. And if something really bad happens, what the police did was wrong. If something bad didn't happen, then, oh, the police were competent. They handled it professionally. So it's sort of a catch-22. And what I'm saying is the buck stops with the police, you know. Uh, and that's a fact, you know. Listen, if they categorized it as a mental health issue – then by all means, uh, if that's the route they were taking, maybe they should have enlisted the help of EMS. Come take a look at this girl. Talk to her. Let a medical professional make a judgment call on whether or not she needed further treatment at a hospital or something. And, and again, in New York, we're used to the way it was in New York. Uh, uh, a domestic incident with an injury, more than likely there would have been an arrest in that situation. And unfortunately, it would have been uh, the arrest would have been of Gabby, you know, where there was a physical injury on him. She admitted, she said, uh, we didn't see it in that news clip, but I saw other news clips where she says, yeah, I hit him. I hit him in the face. I was trying, I hit him in the arm. I was trying to get his attention when I saw the blue lights, uh, blue and red lights in the rearview mirror. So there was, she definitely made omissions and statements that led the police to believe that she caused that injury. There probably could have been an arrest that may or may not have prevented uh, something worse happening. Sometimes with domestic violence, uh, an arrest can decelerate it where a person says, listen, I got cowed. Let me slow things down and, and stay away from the girl. Or sometime, and I've had this a lot of times, uh, you know, handling domestic violence cases when I was in the squad, it accelerates it where they want they want the person back more. And, and so th th there's, there's two ways to look at it, you know. Obviously, I don't know what the protocols are in Utah. Maybe the protocols that they set out, whatever guidelines they have, 
They handled it the right way. It looked like they did a great job to me. I think putting him in a hotel overnight, you know, th that's the general police science way. Uh, tell the husband to go take a walk if he's the aggressor. Tell the wife to go uh, visit a friend if she's the aggressor. And you separate them, and hopefully time heals all wounds. Uh, not in every case. Obviously, sometimes uh, bad things happen, even if you handle it textbook. Uh, Anna, uh, and I'm, I apologize, Anna, your last name's tough for me to ship I think Phil truly don't want to get in the middle of any very well-butted racks just out of curiosity. And as just a non member of the service observer, I am curious what else the boyfriend can be by not even giving a location unless she went for treatment and wants to be away from family. So he's preserving privacy. Don't know. Nonsense. I, I, I think that that, listen, is that a possibility? Of course it is. We don't know exactly what happened to her. But what the, I mean, if you put on a television anywhere in the country today, this is on the news. This is national news. With that kind of pressure, I think that the family probably would have come forth with the, through their attorney or whatever and made a statement. I mean, they referred, the family referred to her as Miss Petito. I mean, come on, that's nonsense. They know this girl. This girl is engaged to marry their son, and they're calling her Miss Petito. That's, I don't know, it's just a little yeah. bit cold and callous to me. You know, Phil and Saudi, I didn't indicate that I would arrest the male. I said if an arrest was made, if she was what's known as the primary aggressor, yeah, I would arrest her, but that would be after an investigation. He had injuries. She didn't. But, you know, this is Phil and Saudi's comment. You guys are typical old school cops who always blame the male in a domestic incident, smartened up, she assaulted him. Now you guys are blaming him. No, I'm not blaming no. him. But after the fact, when we get to it that he leaves, he goes home to Florida, and then we're not fully talking about this incident. You know, so let's let's go to some of the um, the body cam video. Before uh, you do, I just want to comment on that, because that's not what I indicated. I said if there was an injury on him, which I said there was, and the body cam, she stated there was enough to collar her. I don't want that. If there's, and Saudi must have a, a little bit of miscommunication. I don't think either one of either one of us indicated on that specific incident that you see on the body cam that he should have been arrested. No, I never said that. It looked like to me, if you look at the video and the statements that she made, if anything, she could have been arrested. And, and I don't know if that would have changed the, the uh, outcome of what happened to her, but I think uh, I take exception to what he's saying. I don't think either you or I indicated that or even went down that road. We felt that. And, and, am I correct, Phil? You, you, you felt too? No, I said, I said if an arrest needed to be made and if there's injuries, I would usually err on the side of making the arrest, whether it was the female or the male. I would try to determine who the primary aggressor is, and that's the law to the T. So well, in let's your just, case, though, Bill, would you would, would your judgment call from what we saw on that video? Would she be the one that you would put the handcuffs on? I, I think probably, yeah, because okay. he had he had injuries and and she didn't, and yeah. um, she had said she hit him or whatever. It, he had clear scratches around his around his eyes. So let's I'm just go. Thought he made that because now it's clear that we both felt that based on that video that if anybody was to be arrested, it, it would probably be her. But go ahead. You, had, you, you were going to play some more. Yeah. Uh, Ma Matthew Cass, thank you so much for the four ninety nine super chat. Uh, also, I didn't shout out to someone else who gave us a super chat. I No, I can't find it. But um, thank you, guys. It's well uh, well received, and we, 
well needed in these days. Uh, so I'm I'm gonna go to the uh, to the body cam video. Uh, let me put this. Let me get this into the um, on the screen, and then we'll we'll watch this a bit. Yes, man, Captain got the supplies and stuff. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I hit the the, the bump there. <laughs> I was distracting him from driving. I'm sorry. Can I get you to step out of the vehicle for me, man? Yeah. Just hang tight right there. Um, do you mind if I take your keys and just put them on your hood? Yeah, I'm so Thank sorry. You. Oh no, you're fine. I'm gonna go ahead and close your door. Okay. How much can I do? SO229. I have the female that was on the passenger seat separated from the male. Keys are on the hood. You wanna tell me what's going sit you down in back seat of my car you're not in any trouble okay i'm not going to be putting handcuffs on you you obviously don't have any weapons i'm going to get you into the air conditioning let you take a breath relax a little bit and then i'll come back and talk to you in a few minutes okay okay all right like i said you're not in any trouble so just go ahead and take a seat What's that? Yeah, I just spoke to her. So, you want to do me a favor? Let's go ahead and get you to step out of the vehicle. Alrighty. You're not in any trouble right now. So, tell me what's going on. The shoes get worked up sometimes, and I try and really distance myself from her. So, like, I, I locked the car and I walked away from her. What, what happened this morning is that she's trying to start up like her own little website blog and everything. So, I give her time. And I, we really had a nice morning, if anything, and if anything, but um, she just you know, worked up because we were trying to get going and get our day going because we want to go 
She had a cell phone in her hand, that's why I was pushing her away. Because I she, she wanted me, I locked the keys so I could walk away. I, I said, let's just take a breather and let's not you know go anywhere, let's just calm down for a minute she was getting her worked up. And then she had her phone and was trying to get the keys to so I got away. I was just trying to I know I shouldn't push, but I was just trying to push her away to go, let's let's just take a minute, step back and breathe. And we'll see if she got me with her phone. Can I see your hand? Oh, you got a mark right here. Oh, that's from a wire. That's from a wire? Yeah. You want to tell me about hitting that curb? Hitting the curb was her grabbing the wheel. She grabbed the wheel? Yeah. She said, I can't believe we're getting pulled over. And then she grabbed the wheel. What about the speed? Did she take over the, no, I over the pedal on you? I was going fast. I'm sorry. No, it was probably just the, the moment of like, I'm still shaking now. The adrenaline seeing the lights flashing up and then her grabbing the wheel. So if I sped up, I'm sorry about that. What if I was speeding beforehand? I'm sorry about that. Yeah, it's going to quite a bit to catch up to you. So, yeah. I'm sorry about that. We're just going into the, the park again to get water because we have a six-gallon water container to uh -huh. fill up. So, we're just grabbing water for the hike. Okay. And we're just, I was trying to keep everything calm and quiet because there's plans still to go for our hike. But then she gets, yeah, I'm, I'm really sorry about that. Of course, of course. Do me a favor. You want to go ahead and just take a seat right over here on the curb for me? And if I was speeding, I'm sorry. You don't have anything in my pocket or anything like that, do you? Nope. Just the wallet? Yeah. All right. And then, do you mind lifting your shirt so I can check the waistband? I got Turn around for me real quick. Okay. Nothing. I just, I just no, want I to make you. sure. That's all, man. Go ahead. Do me a favor. Take a seat. All right. All right. Oh, do you have your ID on you? In the car. If you want to come with me, I'll just do this. Just go ahead and take a seat. You come with me. I'll give it to you. All right. You're fine. Uh, what's your first name? Brian. Brian? Is that right in spelling? B-R-I-N, yeah, and L-A-U-N. L-A-U-N. B-R-I-E. D-R-I-E. Yep. Laundry? Mm -hmm. Okay. What's your date of birth, Brian? Can I just, I'll say crisscross applesauce. Can I just do the shades to the mold? Um, I'll, no, it's okay. it's I'll a, give you some shit. <laughs> Sound good? Alright, just hang tight for me. SO229. I need a 29 name and date of birth. First name Brian, layman spellings, last name Laundry, Lima Alpha Uniform, November, Delta, Romeo, India. Are you five feet, 5.79? You know, Phil, I think that, um, you know, they, they were doing a good investigation, I felt. And, you know, it, you know it, it's, it's a Monday morning quarterback to say that uh, in this situation an arrest would be made because there was some uh, also some mental health issues here that uh, uh, specific, specifically of, uh, of Gabby. So, I mean, I, I can't say 100% that I would have made an arrest here, but I don't know. I mean, it's very difficult because we
we know what happened after the fact. Now, the biggest thing that troubles everyone in this case is that he goes home with her van without her. Right. So what happened to her? And that's what none of us know right now. And that should be troubling every single person that's watching this case and that's investigating this case. Now, where do we go from here? Obviously, the investigation is going to take a lot of electronic evidence. Was he stopped anywhere for a long period of time based on cell site hits? And you, we got to help hope that the, the cell phone was alive and not dead because the cell phone was dead, then it's not going to be of any evidentiary value other than ingoing, outgoing calls, text messages, that type of thing. But for the tracking device that every cell phone is, if, if the phone was dead, that's not going to help us. But in this case, what really is bothersome is the fact that he goes home without her. And that's the biggest thing that is bothersome. Well, just to backtrack a little, Bill, I mean, when you look at the interaction from the body camera uh, of the police officers, now, she never said anything about weapons. He never appeared to have any weapons. Nobody talked about any, I want to kill him or anything like that. So I think that, you know, at face value, from what I'm seeing here, it's a it's a boyfriend-girlfriend dispute. There was some physical uh, component of it. However, you know, there was no blood, bloody nose. The guy had a scratch, and he claimed that uh, she had the, the cell phone, might have hit him with the cell phone in the face. She says somewhere in there that she was hitting his arm to pull over, and that's when they hit the curb. When they pulled over, they, the, the tires hit the curb briefly. Um, so my point is this. I don't think it was at a level, at a high level of domestic violence that we needed to have an interaction of an arrest. That's my opinion about that. Now, when, with regard to what you're saying later on, he goes back. September 1st, he goes back to Florida like Gabby never existed. He just goes home and carries on life using her van or whatever, doesn't call her family, doesn't have any contact with her family. And, you know, he's just going to carry on life. And when he is confronted with something, what does he do? He says, I want an attorney. I don't want to speak to anyone. I'm going to use my uh, constitutional rights to not speak. Uh, and, and, you know, on the, on the advice of my attorney. Now, the FBI did do a forensic examination of that van, and they did recover some uh, items or samples that will be uh, uh, possibly have evidentiary value. The 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 officer, uh, the the chief that was on the uh, on the, the the clip that you played said that I saw that in other uh, interviews from the public service officer in. Uh, in um, uh, Northport, Florida. So the bottom line is this, there may have been something of evidentiary value in that van that might play into the disappearance of Gabby. Um, and it's just absurd to think that someone could go on a cross country trip with their fiance and then poof, she vanishes and they go home to Florida and just carry on with their life like nothing ever happened. You know, you know, Phil, I just want to comment on this uh, Phil and Saudi's comment. He went home without her. How do you know that she didn't find another place to go? Maybe she hooked up with another guy or woman. But then why did he lawyer up Phil and Saudi if that were the case? And he had her van. No, he and had he her had a van. Let's, let's just get this out. When her family contacted his family and she, they tried to contact him, he would have, listen, if that were the case, he would have said, listen, she took off with some other guy, come and get her van. 
I, I doubt very highly, very highly that that's the case here. I doubt that very highly. Go ahead, Bill. I'm sorry. No, I, I just find out the, the point that he lawyers up, brings, comes home with her van, doesn't mention that she's missing, doesn't mention anything. And and then and when the Huff family tries to talk, he lawyers up. And and come on, that is suspicious. If you don't find that suspicious, then uh, he's got an obligation. If he took her on a cross country trip and she leaves with somebody else, he's got an obligation to let her family know, hey, I got her van and she's off with someone else. Just you guys figure it out. That's the answer to that question. No, 100%. And and this, uh, you know, leads the police, leads the investigators to believe that something nefarious happened to her. Where is she? Where You have her phone? Where, you know, did, you know, of course, did you kill her? You know, people suggested she committed suicide. Well, you know, what, what happened? You know, going home with her van and lawyering up and not talking about it and not, is, is not, it's not okay. It's a very suspicious activity. Bill, if she decided to get out of the van and say, F you, uh, they're, they're in a fight or something. And he says, you know what? I had enough of this. I'm driving home. And he drives home to Florida and wherever it was. Why can't he just tell the police that? I was in whatever place, Utah. She got out of the car in a, in a dispute. And I left her on the side of the road. I had enough. I threw my hands up and I came home. Why not tell them that? Well, what, what's the problem with that? No, no criminal activity there. Well, what did he do wrong? He took a van. Okay, big deal. He didn't kill right, her. Uh, what happened? So, uh, there's so much here that this guy needs to explain, and uh, it's just a shame and it's terrible that he can go to bed at night and his family can look themselves in the mirror that they're not cooperating with this investigation. This is a missing young girl, a beautiful young girl. They need to cooperate. He needs to man up, say what happened, tell us what the last time you saw her was, and tell us what her whereabouts were. Before they find out from cell phones and all this other, they're going to find out. I mean, th this case is going to be solved. I'm sure of it. I am sure of it. Uh, SSS asked, can't they arrest him for stealing her van and transporting across state lines, traffic and stolen goods? No, they cannot. He had permission and authority to use that van given to him by her. And the fact that she's not in it doesn't give them uh, within the law to say that he possesses or stole that van. There's nothing that says that. So the no, he cannot be arrested for that. He could have been arrested is if she were here today present and said, no, I left him wherever, and he took the van from me, and he didn't have permission or authority. They went on this cross-country trip. They documented there's videos on YouTube and wherever, and it was obvious. I mean, when he was stopped by the police, he was behind the wheel of the car. So the permission or authority to use the van existed. I don't think that that's in the realm of possibility at this point. And, and thank you for the $5 super chat. You ask, isn't it possible that she did something wrong and he is protecting her? And that would somewhat explain why he would lawyer up speculating entirely. I don't believe so. Uh, I, I believe that he's protecting himself by lawyering up. Uh, you know, there's many reasons to say, to, to stay silent, but in this, this situation, it seems he's staying silent to protect himself from potential criminal charges. Yeah, you know, there, there was a double murder in an area that they were near at one point. Uh, I think they were newlyweds that were shot and killed. I, I don't know how that plays into this. I saw that in a blurb on one of the news channels that the police might be looking into that. I don't know if that has anything to do with this. But, I mean, the, 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 the last comment, 
that's a bit of a stretch because even if that were the case, that she did something wrong and he wanted to protect her, wouldn't he let her family know? I mean, these people are pouring their hearts out on the news. They, they're, they're saying they don't eat, they don't sleep, they can't, they can't function. They're, you know, as parents, their daughter is missing, and and you know, it's it's just a, a terrible thing to you know to be going through. So I would think that uh, you know there would be some way to get word to them. That, you know, listen, he ignored everyone. He went into seclusion on September 1st when he returned to Florida. He didn't answer phone calls. He didn't answer text messages. His family didn't answer. Those are giant red flags to me that they're obviously doing it for a reason. And the reason is to protect him from something. So what is it? Is it criminal charges that something that he did to her? I don't know. We can't say that at this point. But what we need to do is find Gabby. That's what we need. To yeah, do. I mean, if if she walked off, then he should tell the police at what point she walked off. But I'm cool. sure that that's not the uh, the van has not has been invoiced by the police, taken into custody to go over it for forensic evidence. Uh, the FBI the actually did the forensic examination, Bill. The FBI is yes. working uh, hand in hand in this case, so they they you know they have a tremendous crime lab in Quantico. So I'm sure if there's evidence there, they'll find it for for certain. Yeah, folks, in the chat, you know, we try to just keep it real as far as what, what you know, the police procedures are. And I, early on in cases, I don't like to predict whether she's alive or, or, you know, I mean, look, it's something bad seems to have happened. And that's all I can say. My experience tells me this isn't good, obviously. Uh, not only was he her boyfriend, but he was called her fiance. So they were you know, they weren't just a couple that met a month ago or a couple of days ago, they, they were together for a bunch of years and he was referred to as her fiance. So something bad happened. It, it seems, it would seem that, you know, and all the police can do is to try to go back and elicit the, the press, the public's help, go to the place she was last seen, hand out flyers. Maybe someone has saw something, but we sure, we know that the boyfriend definitely knows something. And that's why, He's invoking counsel and keeping his mouth shut. Again, if he's innocent, if he didn't do anything wrong, if he has nothing to do with the disappearance of Gabby Petito, then why isn't he cooperating? That's a simple question I'd like to ask him, his attorney, or his family. Why are you not cooperating? On the advice of counsel, why? You would you invoke that right to protect yourself from incrimination. What is he going to be incriminated in? This is terrible. It's disgusting. And I, I really think that, uh, you know, the, the family should think about if they have other children or, or their own son, if this were their son that we were talking about that was missing, what would they want the other family to do? Think about that. Come on, let's uh, let's get some uh, some help here with law enforcement and give us some indication as to when the last time was that he saw young Gabby. Tina, thank you for the $10 super chat. Shame on him and his parents for protecting him. That's what I said. What if the tables were turned and it was their son missing? He needs to man up because he did something. To I, you know, we happen to agree with you. and But the thing is, law enforcement can't just go in like the Gestapo and pick him up and force him to talk. He has rights, and, and they uh, he's protected by those rights. Peter Pranzo, Lieutenant Peter Pranzo, Harlem Raiders, he uh, he makes a comment that uh, you know he could have dropped her off anywhere along the route going on on the way home. Uh, 
I'm sure they'll fo- law enforcement will follow his route back home. He could have dumped her off anywhere along the line, even close to home. That's Lieutenant Pranzo. You're a hundred percent correct. And uh, this is a huge job for the police till they can come up with a potential location where something bad happened or else the area where they have to search is just so, so huge. Bill, I'd just like to read out a phone number. Anybody watching or anybody that sees this podcast, you could reach a hotline by dialing 800-800-225-5324. That's 800-225-5324. That's a hotline for missing person, Gabby Petito, as well as 1-800-CALL-FBI. That's 1-800-CALL-FBI and all calls will be kept confidential. If you have any information, if you think you saw something that might be pertinent to the missing person case of Gabby Petito, please don't hesitate. Call it in. Let us decide. Let law enforcement decide if, in fact, it's pertinent or not. And, uh, Bill, going back to what you're talking about with the with the route that he took, if he has an active cell phone on him the whole time, that cell phone information can be garnered, and it can show – a general area of where he drove and what route he took to get back to Northport, Florida. I think you have a timeline that she was last seen or heard from was August the 25th. There may be some other uh, activity on her cell phone that they can follow to see when the cell phone activity actually stopped. Um, I know that after the 25th of August, there was a text message where they said they were in a, a, a park, a state park, and there was no cell phone service. So the cell phone information on both their cell phones is going to be very helpful and informative for uh, this investigation. And, and you know, Phil, just so home. people just so people know, that stuff doesn't come back immediately. Police departments have to subpoena it. Sometimes it takes weeks to come back. Uh, everyone thinks the police department and the FBI can just snap their fingers and voila, there comes the cell site. Savannah Britton, you asked, can't they trace the cell phone pings? Yes, that's what we're talking about right now. Can retrace places he was, places he stopped. I uh, can even give you the amount of time he stopped at a specific location. If, in fact, the uh, the cell towers are in that area, the area they were in, there, there may not be a lot of cell towers. So that's that's one of the problems there also. There, yes, there's uh, some hot- dead spots, Bill, but I think that if you leave one tower and then there's a dead spot, when you get close to the next tower, or if you double back to that tower, it would reconnect. So, yes, there's going to be some, some dead spots, of course. And, again, when you get all this information, you have to now go through it. It's probably going to be a lot of pages of stuff, and you have to have an expert that knows how to read it and knows how to explain and figure out the uh, you know the so, so-called mapping of where that cell phone was traveling. You know, Will's Walking West says, Brian's lawyer says the reason they aren't talking is because law enforcement has tunnel vision and will accuse the loved one first before real evidence shows otherwise. That's the most ridiculous statement I've ever heard an attorney make in my life. Of course, he's going to be the first person they want to talk to. He was with her. He has her van. I mean, it, I mean, that's, you know, typical Listen, that's statement. the best foot that the lawyer can put forward. That's what that is. And and it's absurd, but it's probably the only thing and the best thing that sometimes they say we just have to put out a statement. We have to say something. And that's probably the best thing he could come up with. It's obviously ridiculous. Like you just said, Bill, they went on a trip together. They left together. They were 
cataloging it on uh, Twitter and YouTube together. They were appeared in, in that video with the police body cam on on the uh, on the 12th of August. They were together. Why wouldn't he be the main focus or the focal point of who we're going to talk to if she's reported missing? Tell me that. Is there somebody else we should be talking to? No, we should be talking to him. No, of course. He's the number one suspect. He, he's her fiance. They were together for, you know, how long on this trip? He comes home. She doesn't. I mean, common sense. Who are you going to speak to? You know, and there's a double-edged sword with that too, Bill, because if you speak to him and you get a good interview out of him and he's very cooperative, the chance is there. He may not be involved in anything criminal with regard to her disappearance. So what you're going to do is you're either going to, and I've said this many times before in other podcasts, you're either going to include him as a suspect or exclude him. That's what law enforcement does. When we go into a case, a missing person case or a criminal investigation, whatever it is, we start to interview, you know, you interview the first person that came in contact with this person or the last person that came in contact with them. That's what you want to do. It's textbook investigation. Uh, you know, there's no other place to look. You would start with Brian Landry. That's, I think that's a gimme. No, I don't think anybody could come up with anything other than that. And the attorney, like I said, he's got to say something. That's what he came up with. That was his best comment that he could put out there. You know, I just want to say hello to uh, Joe Murray in the chat. It's great to see him back. Joe Murray has been out sick with COVID. Uh, he's, he's getting bigger. And, well, not hopefully not bigger. He's getting stronger. Mm -hmm. All the time. Good he, didn't need to get any, he didn't need to get any bigger, but he's getting stronger all the time, and it's great to see him in the chat. You know, folks, there's some really good questions in the chat. I wish that I could get to all of them. Um, some folks had said something about um, uh, him using her credit card or him using uh, her money. If, you, if, it's, if it's like a couple, you sort of allow each other to do that. So... Law enforcement can't just charge someone for using another person's credit card if it's their significant other, unless the other person says specifically, oh, I gave him no permission. He took my credit card. Right now, we don't even have her to say that, you know. So I, I see a lot of those questions in the chat of, you know, that's illegal. He can't use her credit card. But obviously, they were sharing everything. They were on this cross-country trip for, for a long time. I'm glad that that was brought up, though, Bill, because if there are charges on her credit card or even his credit card, the police can go back. If it's a 7-Eleven or a gas station or whatever, try and find video to see if she's in those videos, if she appears in the car or if she's with him when they're buying a soda or whatever the case may be. And you'll get a better timeline of when she was last seen. I mean, he returned on the 1st of September to uh, Northport, Florida. As late as like the 25th is when they have that last call uh, when they're talking about uh, bad cell phone service. I don't know. It's somewhere in there. So if you went back and you look at their finances, you look at their credit cards, uh, whatever stores they went into, you'll get a better idea if she was still with him, still breathing and alive and still, you know, uh, maybe we're going to find something where there may be a video of them getting into another altercation. Nobody knows, but I'm sure that law enforcement's looking into that. That's a great point that it was brought up. You know, Phil, that's for sure. But like, as we say, people expect immediate results in these investigations. And you and I know, especially electronic evidence takes weeks to come back, you know, and while 
this family is frantic about where their where's their daughter, where's Gabby, and we're waiting on this, we're waiting on that. They have to do aggressive things, you know. Go out into the field, hand out flyers. Of course, use the media. The media is your friend in a case like this because someone out there, the power of television, someone out there, uh, this guy, Phil and Saudi, you, you don't know what you're talking about. I think I'm going to get rid of you, you know? He, he's just, he's just a, I, I just got rid of him. He doesn't know what he's talking about, and he's, he's obnoxious. Uh He's saying you're 100% wrong about credit card use. Sorry, dinosaur. <laughs> he says only the person whose name is on the card can use it. This guy needs to go. I give my credit it. card to my wife and my children at all times, and they use it. Nobody even looks at it. And I have my picture on my credit card, but that's neither here nor there. That, I know. I know. He's, 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 just, he's just an arrogant guy that, uh, you know, he, he doesn't belong he, he sounds yet. like he wants to disagree with everything, so let him go disagree. Yeah, he can go disagree on someone else's channel. Nice talking to you, you know. Um, yeah, so folks, just what we were talking about. If you, you know, if you're a couple and you give someone permission or authority to use your credit card, the one, the police can't charge the other person for using it. I, I don't, I don't know if that guy was ever a detective. He, he said he was a detective in the seven nine. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if a detective would even speak like that. But uh, anyway, I don't want to waste any more time on him. Bill, um, if she was present today and said he stole my car credit card two weeks ago, whatever it is, and I didn't want him using it, blah, blah, that's a different story. She's not here. Uh, listen, you know what the credit card is going to do? It's going to lead us to see if he used it. Let's look at that. What's the goal? Let's find her alive and well. That's the goal. So maybe there is some place that he used it close to where she is. Let's go find that. Uh, this guy is just looking to... Uh, Disagree. Yeah, well, he's, he's gone. Cryptomeria, thank you for the $5 super chat. Thank you for this discussion, love and prayers from across the border. Our systems are so different. Stay safe, everyone. You're uh, Cryptomeria from Canada. Yeah, the uh, look, everyone agrees with the rights of the accused when they're accused. Uh, when, when you're law enforcement, the parameters that you have to live behind sometimes are difficult, but... Uh, it, it's very, uh, you know, those are the rights of the accused. And in this country, America, we believe in strong civil rights for people that are accused of a crime. Uh, you know, folks, I just want to mention a couple of things uh, while we're on the show. Right there, we have merchandise on Police Off the Cuff now. I could show you a couple of things. We have these Police Off the Cuff mugs. And on the other side, it says, uh, I can't even, there you go, dipped in butter, Police Off the Cuff. This is one of those mugs you can bring into your car. You could order them at that address. We also have uh, police off-the-cuff coffee mugs. These are the newer ones. Uh, and dipped in butter on the side. And all of that stuff you can order uh, at shop.policeoffthecuff.com. We're proud of the job that our uh, producer, Josh, who's also the producer of a duty run, he's done an amazing job for us. I, there's no way... I could have done any of this stuff, and I want to thank Josh for the fantastic work he's done on this. Uh, so if, you, if you're interested, we also have shirts. We have um, sweatshirts, leggings. We are going to be getting shorts. We're going to be getting baseball caps. People love uh, the dipped in butter thing. We may have that across the butt on the uh, leggings, the workout leggings. I think that would be pretty, pretty funny. Anyway, shop.policeoffthecuff.com. There's so many folks in the in the chat. Uh, 
Thomas McNulty, give me her phone. I'll text you saying he had no right to use the credit cards and we get this train. Well, no, you can't do that. Um, Joe Murray, uh, you, you know, we have the attorney, Joe Murray, the attorney in the chat. I know it's, uh, I know I'm right about the credit cards. If you give someone permission authority to use your credit cards and they use it, even if you're not around, the police can't charge you. Would you comment on that, Joe, if you're still in the chat? Where's a, where's a lawyer when you need one? You can't find them, you know? <laughs> I know. I'm just glad he's doing better. I, I wish he was on with us today on this case. I, I'm sure he'd have some great insight. And then yeah, the yeah, other yeah. case that we've been working on lately, too, the Murtaugh case. Uh, Murdoch, you mean? You Murdoch, keep saying, Murdoch. I'm sorry. sorry. Guys keep saying Murtaugh. It's spelled Grace. Murtaugh, but it's pronounced Murdoch. And then his name yeah. is Alex. Pronunciation is Alec. I don't it's know. Alec. Gray Screen, thank you so much for the $20 super chat. Very much appreciated. You guys, this is a very, very complicated case because we don't know what happened. We got to find factual breakdown. Are the leggings and extra small? I'm not sure. You'd have to check the, the, the website. I hope he has all sizes, you know. Uh, T-shirts, yes, we do have T-shirts too. The leggings we have, uh, just go on that site and take a look at all the stuff that Josh uh, – Put on our merchandise site, you know. Uh, Joe Murray said he says you can also give someone authority to sign it. So as you saw, that disgruntled, uh, if he was even a detective, I don't know who he was, but uh, it's it, you know I don't like to get into arguments with people in the chat, especially if they are attitudinal, you know. But, and if uh, they're wrong, and if they're wrong, and, and if the attitudinal and wrong that uh, we never you know. said anything about arrest in the mail, and that's what he said in his first comment. So that's you know he he was mistaken by a by a long shot, so by a, by a mile. Jason Everly, uh, thank you so much for the forty nine ninety nine super chat. Such a sad case. Uh, I have a daughter. And I couldn't imagine going through something like this. You know, Phil Grimaldi has three daughters, and. Uh, he could not imagine going through something like this. No one could that, imagine. That's why I'm so fired up about it, because I just can't even imagine. And I called him a scumbag before. That's what he is. He should man up and and tell us what happened. You know, you got to you got to deal with the consequences. Whatever happened, happened. That poor girl, wherever she is, her family needs to know one way or the other. I just can't. I, I, my blood boils when I think about this. I'm sorry. Uh, Shay Laughter, where where are the people who know the Laundries family, their friends and neighbors? Someone has had to talk to them in the last two weeks. They didn't notice their behaviors. You know, in all these cases, they do canvases. What they go door to door in the neighborhood. They ask those questions. But that's Shay Laughter. That's a a great point. But the police, I'm sure, are pushing every button possible. Um, Frisco eight one eight one. Best of luck from Kuwait. I would imagine you must be in the service. Thank you for your service, and thank you for visiting the uh, Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. Uh, yeah, it, this is a tough case, and, you know, we're, we're hoping that this will end positively. You know, we've been on we've been on the Summer Wells case from down in, uh, in Tennessee, and that's a real tough one, too. And that's been uh, over 90 days now, I believe, and it's a really, really tough case. Uh you know what, Bill? There's a little more to go on with this case. I, I, I have a suggestion to Gabby Petito's parents, if they get to see this, go in front, get, get people together, go protest in front of his house, in front of Brian Laundrie's house, and ask him, chant, 
Where is Gabby? Where is Gabby? Tell us where Gabby is. Put pressure on them. The media is putting tons of pressure. We're putting pressure. This guy needs to cooperate. Let's go with that. That's the only thing I could think of that these poor people could do that might have some positive results. Pressure needs to be put on him. Nancy Drew, a member of the YouTube Police Off the Cuff family, another Equus search case. We hope not. You know, uh, it does, look, it doesn't look that like it's a great uh, – this guy needs to talk. He has to talk. He's the only one that knows what happened here, you know. Uh, Ernestine, I have three daughters. My oldest is 40. My youngest is 25. I would not be handling this well at all. No, who would? What parent would that, uh, you know, loves their kid? There's there's no way you anyone would be handling this well. Somebody um, said in the in the in the in the chat, Joe Rick, put him in the box, Phil. I'm sure if me and you, Bill, could get him in the box, we'd come out with information on Gabby. I know it. And without being physical, okay? Without being physical. I'm not trying to act like a tough guy that I'd beat the crap out of him. Although I that I might want to do that, but we'd get it out of him. You know, Joe Reek happens to be retired NYPD inspector, Joe Reek. Joe Reek, thank you for being such a great friend of the show. Uh, and always being here for us. Thank you. We appreciate that. And we appreciate your service. Uh, and that's what it is. It's a police service. You know, folks, we try to give our best assessment of these cases. And I'll be the first one to say, I don't know everything, you know, and Phil and I both are not privy to all of the information that law enforcement has. And we fully admit that, but we're trying to give you our perspective from being involved in these missing person cases and from, you know, from giving our assessment on what is done, what works, what doesn't work, uh, what, what can be done and what's going to be done in the future. And this is a national case. This case has caught the imagination of the entire country and everyone wants this beautiful girl found, you know, no one, I mean, look, she, she's a gorgeous girl has a whole life uh, to look forward to. And the one that knows what happened is right there. He's on the right of her right there. He knows what happened to her. And for him to go cowardly home and not talk and lawyer up and not tell her parents who are frantically trying to find her, it's it's a cowardly situation. And if he's protecting his ass because he did something nefarious, then you know he doesn't uh, he doesn't belong to be protected. But, you know, we, we actually have people in the chat. Uh, Court TV, Samantha Eichley, Court TV has the newest updates. Brian officially came person of interest today. Hopefully, please. You know, so then that person of interest stuff, I'm just going to let you folks know. The police know who the person of interest is, who they're looking at, usually very early on. That's a term that was made up by the press, really. That was a media term. Yeah, to, 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 it's a media term. It's to pacify the media. Oh, do you have a person of interest? Yes, we do. But that was made up for them. So I think the police knew day one that he was a person of interest because it's just common common sense. Uh, Stace on the case, could his parents be held accountable for knowing and or hindering? If they find that there was a crime committed and there's evidence of that crime in the house, yes, that potentially could be charged. But right now, there's not even evidence of a crime. So, you know, everyone wants the police to go in there like the Gestapo, and they can't do that. You know, this is America. There's the rights of the accused, and he's not even been accused yet, although 
of course, common sense dictates that most of us think that he is going to potentially be the accused, but no one can be uh, charged because of common, what common sense dictates. You know, Phil, we've been on here for about an hour and seven minutes, and we said we were going to do 45 minutes, but uh, we got a little carried away. There's a lot of people in the chat here. Uh, folks, I, I thank you so much for listening to us. This was sort of almost like an unscheduled. This is our second podcast today. Earlier on, we uh, we were talking about the Murdoch case. And this case just is is very interesting. And we wanted to uh we wanted to, you know, put our two cents in, so to speak. Uh so we we sort of, you know, there's so many people still in the chat, I can't even get through all of them. Uh MB, I'm in Canada and I'm praying for this child and her family. Yes, we're all praying for her. Uh you know, you're right, folks. We don't know what happened. And uh, people, are, of course, and myself and Phil, uh, too, are assuming things uh, because of the actions of Brian, of just bringing home the van, not saying what happened to, to Gabby, and, and, and then lawyering up. So, yeah, we're assuming something bad happened because of his actions. Phil, you want to comment on that? Yeah, you know, looking at the video from the police body cam of his interaction with the police that day, I got to say in my heart of hearts, he doesn't look like or appear to be someone who could be violent or uh, homicidal or anything like that. I really feel that. However, something happened and he went away on his merry way to Florida back home with her vehicle and had no contact with the family, wouldn't say anything about what her whereabouts were or when he last saw her. So something happened. Now, I, you know, from just looking at him, my, that's my impression of him that day. That was August the 12th. I mean, or, or yeah, August the 12th. What happened between August the 12th and September the 1st when he came home? God only knows, but we need to find Gabby. I want to read that number out one last time, Bill. It's 800-225-5324. That's 800-225-5324. That's the hotline for Gabby Petito to be found. Also, 800-CALL-FBI. That's 800-CALL-FBI. Anybody sees or knows anything pertinent to this case, please call and give the information. Everything will be kept confidential. You know, folks in the chat, some folks, some people are saying that um, this could have been an accident. If it was an accident, shouldn't he have come forward? Then he could clear himself if it was an accident. However, if it was something nefarious, that's why he drove home, told no one, and lawyered up. And that's what we have to uh, we have to see from our experience as investigators, uh, based on his actions. And that's that's basically all I can say at this point. But uh, you know, Phil, last uh, last words, and then we'll uh, say good night. Last words to comment on the accident scenario. It's possible. Could he have been hiding some culpability? Maybe he did something that was reckless and it caused her to, you know, get hurt or get killed or something. But I think that that's a lot better story and a lot better to explain than, God forbid, a homicide. So, again, uh, to the family of Gabby Petito, my heart goes out to you. Prayers for you. Prayers for your daughter. Let's find her alive and safe. Let's find her, whatever the case may be. And as far as Brian and his go, Brian Laundry, uh, Brian Laundry and his family go, 
I think that they have to really do some soul searching, come forward. Uh, there's people that their heart is breaking for their daughter, their daughter that's not around from, from weeks now. Uh, let's cooperate with law enforcement and the police. And Brian, man up. Tell us what happened to her. Tell us when the last time you saw her was. And let's get the ball rolling to get her back to her family. You know, Phil, 100%. And, you know, let's just know that law enforcement is going to be on this case. They're going to be working hard on it. They're going to be canvassing. They're going to be doing the electronic evidence. They're going to cover that whole route. They're going to search that van. If they have an easy pass, they're going to look through all of that stuff. They're going to use every possible investigative uh, resource they have. Uh, if they do know an area the, where she may have disappeared in, you know, they could, they'll get helicopters up there. We can get drones. If it comes to it uh, on this case, they could get uh, Equisearch on it. Uh, I'm glad Phil, you that up. Phil, Phil and I are actually honorary members of Equisearch. Myself, Bill Grimaldi, and Duty Ron were appointed by Dave Rader as honorary members of Equisearch as law enforcement liaisons. So if the point comes where they're needed there, we'll, we'll surely uh, reach out to Equisearch. 100%. You know, folks, I just want to thank everyone uh, for joining us. This was an, a sort of an unscheduled uh, police off the cuff, real crime stories. Um, we're going to stay with this case. Any more updates on it? We're also going to stay with the uh, Murdoch case that has so many twists and turns. It's like a, uh, you know, it's, it's like one of those eight track, uh, those circle eight tracks that you used to have as a kid. You know, that's how many twists and turns there are. But we want to thank everyone um, for coming by th this afternoon. And uh, we're going to keep keep you apprised of anything new happening. And until then, I'm Bill Cannon from Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories, Thin Gray Line. Thank you so much. I uh, appreciate that. She's a um, Thin Gray Line is a 14-year veteran of the Department of Corrections. God bless. Uh, so as I was saying, Thank you so much for listening today. And on behalf of myself, Bill Cannon, and my co-host, Phil Grimaldi, have a great night, everybody. Stay safe, everyone.